Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast. My name is Matt Hudson from What I Watched Tonight, and joining me as ever from across the pond is the statesman to my kingsman, jolly good fellow, it's John Burke from Burke Reviews. How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good, Matt. How about yourself, sir? Uh, I'm doing very well. You could even say that busting makes me feel good, my friend. It's been a uh, it's been a good weekend, quiet weekend, in fact, actually, um, of which I will possibly go into further on in the show. Uh, so, but I, I'm fi- I'm feeling good, my friend. I'm ready to dive into tonight's BAMP shenanigans. But first, I need to know that you're keeping Florida safe and well, and you're okay. Uh, yeah, I'm doing quite well. Um, you know, just officially got my daughter a car. I don't Ooh. remember if I had talked about that uh previously you did um, but we had lost the car so uh now we've got a new a, di- a different car um that we have a, a good situation we bought it from a friend instead of a dealership so that was nice um i have never had to do that before so i like, had to go through a lot of bureaucratic nonsense that had me really really stressed out but it all <laughs> yep. was easy um but not cheap at the same time so like easy but a lot of money just to get some paperwork transferred in a metal plate that says uh numbers um but same time uh she has her own car um and it's a a pretty nice car i mean it's it's an older car it's a 2002 um which i just realized uh my first car was one year older than me and this car is two years older than her so i guess it's a tradition um but uh it's a lexus so that's much nicer than my first car which was just a toyota um (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so, you know, we're, we're excited. Uh, we're able to you know, finally get that third vehicle. It makes, uh, scheduling our lives a little easier because okay. trying to schedule three different like routines and like places with only two vehicles was really, really complex. Not to mention neither of my, neither my wife nor daughter really feel comfortable driving the truck that I have. So like, it was basically like, I always had a vehicle and then they were always trying to figure out how to like balance it out, which would lead me to having to go and pick one up or whatever. So uh, it's a big stress relief to have a, a, uh, a third vehicle now. Um, and yet, you know, that's more money and insurance goes up and all that. So, but well, of course, I mean, who wouldn't want to drive the bookmobile though? But, um, and also the other positive of that is now that your kids, uh, firstly, it's always a big deal to get your first car. We've all been there and had a first car, your first drive by yourself. You feel like the king or queen of the world. However, uh, on a more positive note, she can now listen to the bloody awesome movie podcast while she's cruising the freeway or whatever kids do in the States, you know, or heading out to the roller diners. And is that what kids yes. do now? Go to the karaoke bars. I, I, I mean, it's funny because the movie we're going to be talking about here momentarily has a roller diner. So it does. See that? See that link there? You can tell we've done this for over 100 shows, I imagine now. Must can't be far <laughs> off, but I'll count one day. But uh, yes, uh, the film we're talking about tonight is going to be spoken about in a non spoiler way on the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. We don't spoil films on our main episode, we give you our non spoiler thoughts and opinions on the film before giving you a spoiler mini-sode every Monday where we spend 15 minutes maybe and we'll give you we'll, we'll dive into all the things that we loved and we'll spoil every single thing about it but tonight fear not we are not going to spoil Ghostbusters Afterlife for you John and myself have legitimately been looking forward to this possibly since about 1989 I don't know for the longest time we've been looking forward to this it's here we're about to tell you what we think about it but before that I'm going to tell you that Afterlife is directed by Jason Reitman, the son of Ivan Reitman, who of course directed GB1 and 2. And it's also written by Jason Reitman and uh, Gil Keenan. 
It stars Finn Wolfhart, McKenna Grace, Carrie Coon, Logan Kim, Celeste O'Connor, and Paul Rudd, and the stay mini puffs. Sorry, little mini puffs. Um, IMDb, the synopsis reads When a single mum and her two kids arrive in a small town, they begin to discover their connection to the original Ghostbusters and the secret legacy their grandfather left behind. So, doesn't sound like a Ghostbusters synopsis, but it really is. Now, this is where we get interested now. And we will probably mention this in our main chunk, but 61% on Rotten Tomatoes, critically, 96% on the audience score. Just keep those numbers in mind. Metascore have this at 59, 7.8 IMDb user score, and 3.4 out of 5 on Letterboxd. And uh, I think you've got an A- cinema score, which is great news. And as the trailers uh, said, exclusively in theatres so you're not going to be able to stream ghostbusters afterlife so if you haven't seen it and you want to you're gonna to have to go to uh the, your local theater that's showing it and hopefully you enjoy it because now we're going to tell you what we thought about it yeah john and myself we, we've we've boasted haven't we that this is one of the films this year we've been looking forward to not just this quarter but in the whole of the year we've been looking forward to ghostbusters what did you think again not to not not to kind of uh throw a grenade and run but what did you think about the paul fig 2016 version first well i i hated a lot about it um <laughs> like i i loved chris hemsworth in it i thought he was really funny um i thought they did a bad job with writing i felt like the Kristen wake character and the melissa mccarthy character were essentially the same as opposed to the contrast that you mm-hmm. have with the original four um then uh I liked um, the Spangler equivalent. Uh, I can't Kate think of McKinnon. her name. Kate McKinnon's character, which I don't always like McKinnon. I liked her mostly in that I hated like how they found the logo by a graffiti oh. artist. Like, hey, okay, there yeah. were so many little things that just didn't sit right with me. And um, I, I did not enjoy the film. I had no issue uh, with an all-female cast. And I had uh, my, my biggest issue was that they tried to reboot ghostbusters instead Mm -hmm. of writing in what the original ghostbusters allowed for which was franchising yeah man um if you take that cast and you put them in chicago or even jersey or something like don't don't put them in the new york city and act like there's not been ghostbusters before um you could have just had like a franchise series and i don't know it just nothing about that movie really stuck or sat sat well for me and it definitely didn't feel like it was a love of the original um Mm -hmm. it just felt like uh, you know ip rebrand uh which we're seeing over and over again in hollywood uh yes that is the that is certainly on vogue i only ask that because um which we we, we've always eulogized over the first one and the second one for whether it's flawed or not i love the second one still but i didn't want to go i didn't want to let the 2016 one slide i didn't mind it i thought it was fine certainly didn't hate it i thought i had a lot of good going for it but there's also a lot of um cosmetic things i didn't really like like the look of it and how um how everybody was a comedian rather than you've got the, the the beauty of ghostbusters was that you had four schlubs uh who were who were the comedian the snl guys but they're also in in universe just a bunch of you know they were they're a pest control basically but then everybody else in the universe was just were not were normal so they were playing off this normality whereas in 2016 you know the mayor uh, everybody, the, the villain, everyone was, you know, throwing jokes and it didn't quite sit right. But other than that, I didn't mind it. But um, I just wanted to make sure we got got a bit of mentioning for 2016, also because a lot of the reviews for, for this film seem to be linked to that film because people who like that film are now not 
and I'll come out and say, I don't like this one and vice versa. And it's all getting a bit stupid. However, back to it. Afterlife. I was looking forward to this. I went to see it on opening night last Thursday. I had an absolute blast. I love this film, John. There are flaws. Of course there are. And we'll get into that. I think, I think, I think mine are the same as yours, which probably the same as a lot of people's, but this film isn't a perfect film. There's, there's flaws along the way. Some of the development isn't great. There's a couple of characters who are, Maybe not as well developed. Finn Wolfhart's uh, Trevor, uh, Celeste O'Connor's Lucky. They kind of they're just there. They you know yeah. as you know they they're trying to make something happen there, and it kind of felt a little bit like you know did we need that? Not really. But we but there were reasons why they were in the film, other than just familial uh, stuff as well. So I, I I didn't dislike their characters. I just think you know they they certainly got the least development. I thought McKenna Grace was terrific in this film genuinely terrific especially when you consider this film was made when she was 12 i think 12 years old and she carries the film she carries the ghostbusters threequel on her back and is so good genuinely like the jokes she says the jokes themselves aren't funny but that, that's all, that's the fun of it they're dad jokes but it's her delivery which makes them funny she has a charm to her um she's also also a very very good actress she's been in so many things recently in the last few years so she was great. Uh, Carrie Coon as well. I think she was very good. Uh, Paul Rudd, we've, we've, spoiler, we've both said Paul Rudd was just so much fun. He's, yeah. We all know. What, what, what do I say about Paul Rudd that nobody knows? Yes, he's the sexiest man alive other than me and John. His comedic timing is great. His expressions are great. He just has a, he just kind of brings this fun energy, uh, with him. Now, the story itself was, we mentioned it wasn't, the most ghostbustery and i think that's quite good it's not set in new york it's set in oklahoma so we've already moved away so this is already setting up shop that this isn't the same ghostbusters that you've seen before it's we're moving out to the middle of nowhere and i liked that change it gave it brought back an, a different aesthetic the old amblin slash spielberg vibe has been thrown around and lazily yeah. the stranger things vibe as well but i think it works in this instance especially when we start to find out why uh the link to the ghostbusters or the one of the ghostbusters is in this town and how it ties into the mythology of ghostbusters this film is intrinsically linked to the first one jason reitman has thankfully come out and said oh no the second one absolutely happened everything in that second film it happened in the universe so don't worry about that going in that film is still canon but this film was a lot it kind of pays reference to the first film John, we know there are a lot of Easter eggs in this film and a lot of throwbacks. The film is dealing with legacy, so why not show us some of the legacy? It's how I dealt it. I am a fan of this franchise. I felt like all those little nods and winks were for me. Some were a bit too far, but none made me groan like some people have. There's one line, which I'm not going to mention. We'll do that in a spoiler episode, which I, I smile now thinking about it. It's so bad. But I smile thinking about it. It's chock full of Ghostbusters references. It's funny. It's got a really cool comedy slash minor drama horror for the little ones vibe. Um, when when it calls for it, it's not just a big CG effects driven uh, monstrosity. Practical effects are the aim of the day here. I'm I'm eulogising over this film because I had so much fun. And I went to see this twice and listeners to the show know I very rarely go to see anything twice because I like to watch a film and then move on to the next new film that's coming out so I can read that, uh, watch that, write about it, whatever. But no, no, I went to see this film uh, on the Friday rather than King Richard, which I did see eventually. And I had 
just as much. And part of the reason was, John, I didn't want to, I didn't want to watch this film once and think, oh, that was amazing. I loved it because I'm swept up in it. I wanted to go back with the next day. Now I know that was coming. Does it hold up? Do I still get any kind of uh, anything out of this film emotions? And I did even more. So the second time, this film is much more emotional than I thought it was going to be. Things happen and things are said during a film, which pay off later on. It's all leading up to something. And it's one of the best moments in a theater I've had in the longest time. My friend, I always mentioned Darth Vader and Rogue One will always be very special. This third act was up there my friend honestly thinking about it now it just gets the goosebumps my man it was uh very restrained in terms of scale i think as well which helps it isn't you think about the other films and how big they went this kind of pulls back on that a little bit and it is all the better for it there are problems along the way as i mentioned there's a few issues with characters and narratively as well it's some things have been seen before but it's how well you pull those things off for me they pull it off well. it's a great busting chase in the middle john take over before i stop before i keep going john, i love this film man so this is i'm pretty sure listeners the first time that matt and i have both seen a movie twice oh, yeah before recording the episode um because i also had to go back uh my wife wanted to see it um and i was very glad to go back again um she loved it uh, i think as much as we did um, I am like Matt, a Ghostbuster kind of. I wouldn't. I want to say like freak, but I, it would be unfair. I have a lot of merchandise. Um, I have pictures of me as a, a young kid uh, dressed as a Ghostbuster. I had a proton pack with like yeah. the little styrofoam thing, and I had the a blue bunch one. Of yeah, and yes. um, th- this movie, the first movie, is a touchstone for my movie love, as mm-hmm. it was the first one I saw in theaters, and. Um, I've never stopped loving the franchise. It's always been a favorite. Um, I've rewatched it dozens and dozens of times. Uh, both of them. I, I do like the second movie. I don't think it's as good, but I, I like the second one. I understand yeah. a lot of people don't. Um, but for me, it's always been a film that I do enjoy. And I was like, you said, I was super hyped for this. And I feel like the level of hype I had, this either could have been, I hate this movie or I love this movie. <laughs> Um, I don't think there could have been a middle ground and I love this movie. Um, I had a a very emotional reaction to the third act. I won't say why, um, but it did, it did hit a lot of beats so much so that when uh, the, I went the second time knowing what was coming, I started tearing up at the beginning of the movie (laughs) because I was like, Oh boy, um, am I going to make it? Here we go. Um, uh, I, I like, a lot of the references. Um, I feel like it's a movie that is very much grounded in the, the knowledge of the first film, but it didn't feel like it was uh, simply a nostalgia grab. It felt like it, the plot made sense to me um, in its connection to that first film, which isn't always the case. A lot of these do feel just like, okay, yeah, well, here's the thing that happened. So it's now happening again. It's like, uh, no, this one feels like a logical next step in that process. Um, I thought they expanded the mythos a bit, and I thought that was really cool. Um, as you mentioned, we are Paul Rudd stands, and I, I rarely am not just in love with a Paul Rudd movie. I mean, some of my <laughs> favorite comedies, I, I love Role Models, I love I Love You, Man. Um, Ant-Man, is I usually list as one of my top Marvel movies, not because I think Ant-Man's the best character. I just have so much fun watching those movies because of Paul Rudd and Michael Pena, to give credit where credit's due, Michael Pena crushes in those movies but um i 
I was really um, impressed with uh, McKenna Grace back in Gifted with Chris Evans, oh, Octavia man. Spencer, yeah. uh, Jenny Slate. Uh, I thought, I was like, man, this kid is a powerhouse. And she owns this movie, dude. Like, she is so incredible as Phoebe. Um, I, and I got I, I feel like a lot of hate's been leveled at podcasts. Uh, not ours, but the character. <laughs> yeah, I liked podcast. I did too. Um, he, uh, the name to me even reminds of like maybe uh, Data and Goose and uh, uh, Goonies. Um, uh, yeah, good show. Because um, he he has that kind of sidekick quality that we don't get a lot anymore, which I think the Amblin reference is very appropriate there. Uh, even though Goonies is not Spielberg, uh, you know Columbus and everything like that connections clear. Um, I think you could even see Short Round, uh, which is the same actor who plays Data, <laughs> but in that um, that role, like where he's there for a little bit of comedic relief, but you you love him, like he's he's charming. There's a there's a just even how he befriends her knowing that she's not likely to, to have friends and like how she clicks with him. And, um, you know, there's some, there's some clear, uh, references to the old cast within that friendship, I think yeah. too, um, that again, we'll save some of that detail for later, but I did, Finn Wolfhard did feel superfluous. Like maybe, maybe she didn't need a brother, you know, but he wasn't bad. It wasn't like he brought the movie down. It just was like, excess it was it was on the outer end i think the connection he has with her is is fine i think that like the brother sister Mm -hmm. dynamic it's not it's not overwrought where like he's they hate each other or anything like that there's there's like a i liked it you know what i'm saying like there was a a sibling tension there that was believable without it being too dramatic or melodramatic for the movie and so i was grateful for that too um you know carrie coon i i don't think she gets a lot to do but i think what she has to do she does really really well um, and man, I, I just, this movie really moves too. Like it, it doesn't, uh, beleaguer the plot it, and it, it doesn't feel rushed. It just, it like, okay, we're going, we're going right away. Even I love the opening moving montage. Um, it's, it's such a, uh, trope in, in movies where characters are going to a new place, but I just really like the, what, how he shot it and like the little moments that we get in between them leaving, uh, the, the city to the, the farmhouse. I just thought it was really well done. Um, I, man, I don't have any major complaints. Like I, I understand people hating on this. Um, I just, at the same time, I just don't understand. I don't because I had such a good time watching this. Uh, you know, I, I rushed from work on Thursday and we made it to a four o'clock show. The first show that like was available for us, my, myself and a friend of the show and, um, editor for Burke reviews, David went with me. We're both again, long time. Ghostbusters fans and we were just both thrilled like we had such a good time with this movie and I'm so grateful um you know that Jason Reitman who is getting again some some harsh criticism from some but a lot of love from others um that he made this it just it feels like the next step and I I I hope we get to see these characters again um Mm -hmm. and did you catch uh the the song in the credits yes I did performed by mckenna grace which, i didn't know uh, that until i left the theater and got home i didn't realize it's her why well, i mean why would i but uh, i yeah, thought that was same. a cool touch i i just caught it um in the credits at the end of the credits i saw her name attached to that song i was like oh i did not know that that's interesting so like the kid's super talented she's got a huge future i think ahead of her 
Yeah, man. I've heard people complaining about the pacing that oh, the first uh, first half is too slow. No, it's just it's just called development. It's what it's called. Yeah, you could you could throw us into the deep end. I mean, the, it opens with a it opens with uh, admittedly a very like a, a few minutes of a exposition scene. This is where we are. This is why we are here. And then, which is uh, a sidestep from how we're used to Ghostbusters film opening. But I, we, you need that time with the characters. You, you need that time with the town. And you need that time to allow what happens later in the film to really blossom. Because without these moments and, as you mentioned, things that people say and events, then you're rushing towards something and you don't feel like it's earned. I feel like the ending was earned. And I do think uh, some again a lot of the criticism I, I some of it sorry I agree with like yes it is very fan servicey does it does it lean heavily yeah. on the first film yes but then again it's it's following up it's a continuation of that it's not a reboot which is trying to be the first film it's continuing on so it has to do um, yeah. and I do also think there is sadly a backlash from the last film that came out the 2016 I'm re- in reading some reviews I am people are comparing them and. If, uh, it is in in ways that well the 2016 film was panned but it did this it, it gave us it gave this one it's not giving a some of them are very very bad and i will say that now i'm not going to sit here and say i'm roger but some of the reviews i've read and not just because i like this film are awful and some of the journos who write this i certainly hope they don't get paid for writing that rubbish because it's just a hit piece um and it's and it started before the film came out i think some of the reviews said it's nostalgia heavy it's fan service heavy is too much. It ruins it. And it's kind of snowballed for me online. You just see a lot of people complaining about it and now, uh, kind of backdating it to other franchises and other IPs and thinking, well, man, let people be happy. I'm just glad that this film has smashed at the box office, 60 million worldwide opening weekend, which is, uh, almost double what it or 15, 20 million dollars more than it was expected to make. Uh, so that's great. I hope we see the characters again, JB. Jason Reitman has taken the torch from his father and done a hell of a job. And yeah, if, if you're a fan of Ghostbusters, you ain't ready for what happens in this film. Stick around as well. There is a mid credit scene. There is an end credit scene. If you haven't seen the film yet, just be aware that yeah, no, you want to sit through the whole credits because you get a couple of extra scenes as well. And you're not going to want to miss those. So uh, yeah, I think it's fair to say John and myself both really like this film we have tried to approach it haven't we as film fans as well as ghostbusters fans yeah and i you know i my review right up front i openly admit like i'm clearly going to be biased but i felt like that bias could have sent me in either direction and it did send me in the positive and i was happy that um that was the case Yep, I, I did the same. I pretty much started off by saying I'm a big Ghostbusters fan, and I wanted the world to know. I said it wouldn't be a stretch to say that busting makes me feel good. It really does. Ghostbusting, that yep. is. So, uh, but yeah, like you, the, the uh, look at something like the Rise of Skywalker. I love Star Wars. Uh, yeah, I love it more than Palpatine loves democracy. But the Rise of Skywalker didn't do it for me, and I'm not going to pretend just because I like the, the the franchise. I'm so glad yep. this did, though, my friend. Same. Uh, yeah. Exactly. If. Um, and I, I think it does exactly what it's trying to do. I think maybe p- people might forget, like, Ghostbusters is comedy first. Yeah. And sometimes with comedy, you, you have some gaps in realism. Like, it's not trying to recreate the world, like, that we live in. Like, it's it's exaggerating and being silly. And yes, there is some, some seriousness to Ghostbusters. That was one of the things I liked about the first two. That's kind of what I think doesn't work very well in the 2016 one, is it does seem like it's just trying to be a comedy, 
and doesn't get the other side of it. And I think this one does a good job with capturing both. It's weird. Uh, There is some scary stuff. It deals with some dark themes, not like too dark, but death is inherently a dark theme. I think right? like, so uh, yeah, I I'm, I'm super glad for this. I really, it looks like it's doing well enough that a sequel is probable. I don't know if that's a good thing. Cause again, sometimes a sequel is disappointing. A lot of people think that about ghostbusters too. So, Yep, they certainly do, my friend. And for those who have seen the trailers, you know that there's some cool surprises in this film. For those who haven't seen the trailers, there are some very cool surprises in this film. So uh, we'd love to know what you think about Ghostbusters Afterlife. We'll give all the social details out at the end of the episode. But our spoiler-filled thoughts and opinions, our spoiler mini-sode will be out on Monday. So if you want to hear us really talk about the film, check that out as well. In fact, I'm going to urge you to because it's always bloody awesome. Uh, so moving on now, we're going to move on to our next segment, which is called Chuffed Headlines. Uh, John and myself, we pick a movie or pop culture news headline that caught our attention for whatever reason, and we fill the other one in on what it is. So, John, what have you gone for this week? So I don't know if you've seen this or not yet, Matt, but uh, the Jurassic World Dominion prologue, uh, it's like a five minute video, is out. Um, I haven't seen is, this. Uh, I, I caught, I was looking for headlines uh, not too long ago. Uh, today and saw this i'm a big jurassic park fan um i i don't know if i would say i'm a jurassic world defender but i do like jurassic world i mm-hmm. i feel like people harp on the high heel thing way too much um, <laughs> and uh, i didn't love fallen kingdom i don't i don't hate it um, I didn't mind it but i i didn't i didn't love it uh it definitely felt like something was really off and it did feel kind of like two different movies um but I'm very excited for this one, mostly because of the return of some of our beloved characters, uh, which I'm sure will get a lot of criticism based on the reviews of Afterlife. Um, you know that we're just we're just bringing back the old stuff for no reason. Um, but you know, I, I, I love Grant. Um, I, I actually like Jurassic Park three because Grant's in it. Like, I don't think it's a great movie, but you know, I can watch the third one and I don't hate it. Um, it's harder for me to watch uh, the second one, to be honest. <laughs> William H. Macy and Taylor Leone are awful in the third film, though. But I like sure, the film. Sure. Um, but so I'm I'm excited for Dominion. Like I, I am definitely looking forward to it. Uh, so the prologue, it, it looks good. I don't I don't love the I don't love the prologue, to be honest. Uh, it, it's five minutes, and I I feel like three minutes are almost a waste of our time. Um, for to a degree it's just like okay yeah you have dinosaurs we got it um it's it's a lot like it starts before they die uh the first time um so it's like oh yeah dinosaurs existed yeah we know that we got that guys um and then it cuts to like a modern day scene and you know i guess what we're expecting for dominion is the the dinosaurs are running wild in the world i think that's what we were kind of expecting and that's you get like a taste of that it's not bad. It's just like, okay. And like, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's setting up the plot exactly as much as it's just like reinforcing that idea. And I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, I'm, I want to see the movie. I think I'd like a trailer. I would have preferred a trailer, but, um, that's my take. My friend, uh, who I've already mentioned once on the show, I'm going to mention him again. David, uh, is also actually probably a bigger Jurassic park fan than I am. Um, he seemed hyped by it. So, it, it might have just not landed for me. And maybe I'm a little more skeptical that they can pull off the third one since the second one wasn't great. But uh, of the world trilogy. Um, but, you know, I'm hopeful. I do want it to be good. 
Um, yeah, I would, obviously I'm going to check it out because a big film come out next year. And like you, Jurassic Park was a was a big film growing up, and it still is now. It's every time I watch it, it's. I mean, I mean, as soon as the music hits, and as soon as the as soon as the OG come back, and we see the dinos, and the way that film is crafted and presented is just fabulous. Which is something that none of the sequels have managed to uh, capture. Not not one of them. And I, and I don't mind the Lost World is fine. Jurassic World three, I think, is pretty good. Uh, Jurassic World is decent as well. It's a good soft reboot. And Fallen Kingdom, I actually didn't mind that film, but I understand that it does start to veer off into really odd places. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you say, it's kind of two different films almost, but um, you can't beat the original in this sense. I hope Dominion does, and I don't think it will. But I will um, definitely check this out, though. I will temper my expectations because if there's anyone whose opinion I value, it's the statesman, it's John Burks. But uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to check this out. Yeah, I, I wasn't even aware of it. I must have been very sheltered today. But uh, yeah, I'll let uh, you know. And next week on the show, I'll give 15 seconds of I thought it was good. However, like you, I would have just liked a trailer. We are now, what, six, seven months from the film. Maybe a, no, you can drop a teaser trailer now and then drop the prologue a bit closer. But uh, uh, now maybe we're sounding entitled. Who knows? But I haven't even seen it yet. <laughs> but I'm excited to watch it, though, man. Yeah, I, I, I definitely say it's worth checking out, especially if you are excited for the uh, the new movie. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, well, that was quite a nice, uh, easy topic to tackle. We both like dinosaurs. We both like Jurassic Park and World. Um, my one, though, is uh, I'm sure we mentioned this man last week. And now, oh, God, whether it's Dune or Ridley Scott, I can't get my head out of it. But um, Ridley Scott's has been in the headlines again this week. You wouldn't imagine that he's got another film coming out soon. Uh, Ridley Scott has blamed the last jeweled bombing on millennials. <laughs> uh, this is uh, come from Screen Rant. Ridley Scott puts the blame for the last jeweled bombing at the box office on millennial audiences who he thinks would rather look at their phones. So this is what, so before we go into that, this is what Ridley Scott said. I'll blast through it. Disney did a fantastic promotion job. The bosses loved the movie because I was concerned it was not for them. I think what it boils down to, what we've got today are the audiences who have bought up on these cell phones. Uh, not quite going to say all the words he said there for PG reasons. The yeah. millennium who do not ever want to be taught anything unless you told it, unless you told it on the cell phone. This is a broad stroke, but I think we're dealing with with it right now with Facebook. This is a misdirection that has happened where it's given the wrong kind of confidence to this latest generation, I think. So um, Ridley Scott is becoming the old man who... He yells angrily at clouds with this. I I don't think millennials are to blame for the last jewel bombing, JB. We both really liked the last jewel. In fact, we both yeah. really like the last jewel. The reason for that is because it's a damn fine film. Yeah. Uh, why it bombed, we mentioned that on our main episode. You know, there's a few reasons why. Maybe it was, I mean, I'm not sure that Disney slash 20th century did that good a job of um, marketing this film. And I don't think Disney are doing a very good job of marketing any of their uh, Fox films that they've got the the kind of ones that they've inherited anyway. The, the subject matter of this film seemed to have rubbed a lot of people up the long, wrong way, which I totally understand. Some people yeah. didn't actually watch the film; they just decided, "Well, I've heard this is what it's about. <laughs> I'm not going to watch it." And they're the kind of people I think. Well, you know, what are you doing in the business if you're not going to at least view something before giving an opinion on it? You know what I mean? I, yeah. Even even these goons who say the Last Jedi is the worst film I've ever seen, at least they've seen it, even if they're horribly wrong. But um, yeah, this film, 
there, there's a few reasons why. And I think it also it, the time of year it came out will have impacted it. And also yeah. the, uh, the film, like the film, the genre of film itself, like a medieval, it's not a medieval fantasy film. It's a set on a true story in medieval times, which for a lot of people in a minute may not be what they want to see now that we can go to see films again, especially again, like we said, with what's coming out in and around it. I just think the positioning of when it came out did not help it whatsoever, but we're getting that bottleneck effect, bottleneck effect now where there's so many films coming out at once because of the pandemic that you've got to find space for them somewhere. And, but on Ridley's point, my friend, I, I don't think this has got anything to do with, millennials it's you know maybe maybe there's i'm sure if we looked at the demographic of who would probably be interested in this film i would probably say 35 and above that i would include millennials to be fair but um i don't generally think it's there for because it's not like ridley scott some of his other films haven't done well which shouldn't have done well considering what they're about as well it's i don't think it's wrong time wrong place and i don't think it was marketed with that well I've got nothing. It's got anything to do with the Facebook generation or millennials who would rather look at their phones. But um, maybe it's to do with Matt Damon's awful haircut. But what, what about you? Are you, you going to sit here now and play millennials? Is this your daughter's fault that this film flopped? Um, I don't know. I, I think uh, I think what we're seeing. I mean, if, uh, to go to box office for a second, um, King Richard has also bombed this yes. weekend, and that's a Will Smith draw. So, like again. Um, I would say Will Smith is a bigger box office draw than Damon or Affleck yeah. or Driver, even at this point. Good advance for, for, uh, buzz as well. Whereas the last jewel did, but not King Richard's got a lot more and, buzz. Well, and King Richard has, I mean, maybe the, the, the Williams sisters aren't as popular now, but when I was like, I didn't realize we were the exact same age until watching King Richard, by the <laughs> way. But, um, uh, you know, I grew up with the Williams sisters, like doing all their stuff. Like I was at, I didn't realize they were my age while they were dominating the sports world. But, you know, um, I remember always hearing about them and I was very aware of them. I don't keep up with sports much now, but I don't know if tennis is really getting the buzz that it, it used to for the wrong reasons. Um, usually. So maybe like the, the interest level is not there, but I think what we're seeing is people are now weighing their options of what movies need to be an event and what movies are, watchable on a phone like he's maybe not what he's actually saying but maybe what he's saying i i think last duel will have a a pretty solid viewing on a streaming service yep i don't know if people are willing to risk and or pay money to go see it on the big screen i was because yes, it, but i like all sorts of movies i go see a lot of movies in the theater and i also generally prefer a theater in most cases although i will mention i didn't see king richard in the theater i watched it on hbo max because convenience went out to me. The beauty of convenience. And I also was like, I don't know if I need to see it on a big screen um, for this movie. Because it's, it, it's a small scale story. It's not the effects driven blockbuster that I feel needs or is going to benefit from a large scale viewing. And, you know, or, or a crowd. I think both of us had uh, pretty decent sized crowds at our Ghostbuster screenings. And, I did enjoy the crowd reactions to like the jokes and uh, the moments, you know, like hearing people react is part of the movie going experience. If it's mm-hmm. done appropriately. Right. Yeah. Um, last duel. I saw it. I'm pretty sure I was alone in the theater when I saw last duel, but I, I loved it. I thought it was a great movie. I think it's going to, I think there's a lot of reasons that it's not going to be, it's, he can't kid himself. It's not a four quadrant film. It's not like this oh, movie is meant no, for yeah. everybody. 
it, it's a it's a very narrow audience, and I think that audience at this point is not going out to see movies in the theater. And again, there's a lot of reasons for that. If you let's say you can only afford to go to two or three movies at the theater a year, especially like you know, um, with the jobs being what they are right now, and things are more expensive. Last Duel is not going to be the one that brings you in, probably. Um, if if you have an unlimited pass, again, like I do and like you do, which it's not unreasonable price wise, but if you're not willing to pay out twenty bucks a month to get, make sure you can go see a movie, and you're you're dropping ten dollars on a ticket, you're going to go see you know Ghostbusters Afterlife, or you're going to go see uh, Eternals, or you're going to see um, Spider Man No Way Home in a month. Like that's where their money's going. And I, I just think it's unrealistic uh, for any movie like that to think it's going to have a, a big draw. I know it was a lower draw than, you know, like I, they're not expecting a billion dollar box office here, but it's still, you know, I think whatever you would have expected pre pandemic, you have to like temper that expectation by half probably, or even less um, as more and more stuff is going same day streaming and, or at least, close right like even if it's not same day i think uh focus features they only have a 17 day window for yep. theatrical um so like more and more like stuff like that especially a movie that looks like that there some of the like the fight scenes in the last duel I mean, again the movie's excellent like i can't stress enough if you have a chance to watch it i think you should watch it it is a trigger warning type of movie for sure but um I, but I, I can't, I'm not surprised that it bombed. And I think, I think Ridley might need to shut up. Like this is between the, the Marvel comments, this, and there's something he had another headline for something. Oh, cause now they're, they're making a Blade Runner and, uh, alien oh, TV series. series. Yeah. I'm just like, dude, so his last stuff down. was obviously the Marvel stuff. He came out with, it's, that's what we mentioned last week. But Ridley Scott, does a hate hate super sorry not marvel hate superhero films um this year this week it's uh it's millennials thought that the last jewel flop and i think you're spot on but dude this isn't a four quadrant film this isn't a film that's going to appeal to everyone this film had what hundred something hundred million dollar budget 28 million dollar box office i don't think the studio would have anticipated it making that much of a loss but i don't like you said nobody in their right mind would have thought this would have been a box office hit but what Ridley needs to, I know the thing is like, he, he's already been paid for, he got paid for the film before it was released. He's already rolling in his money. So he can kind of, he should be sitting back now and thinking, well, the people who went to see it, the vast majority thought this was damn good rather than kids on their cell phones didn't go to see it. I mean, the people who did go to see it really liked it, my friend. So it's, I mean, you look at so many other box office bombs of all time, John Carter, Mortal Engines, um, King Arthur was a huge loss as well. This will be up there with those difference is this one is actually a good film i think so um it's a shame but that's the way it goes in in the industry my friend and ridley like yeah ridley, i think Ned needs to go and i think he needs to go and wait till house of gucci's finished and then just sit down and have a nap just have a rest just you know give yourself five minutes stop working so hard and come back refreshed have a snickers um right that's chuff headlines let's move on to media consumption where we tell everyone what we've been consumpting this week movies tv video games music podcasts which aren't ours comic books whatever it might be that we've used to pass the time since the previous episode john has always got a a large selection so jb what have you been checking out well um i have seen a few things as per usual but i always like to start with the podcast uh blank check um 
covered vampires. John Carpenter's vampires. I got to say the whole title. What am I thinking? Um, on the regular episode and uh, with David Ehrlich on the, the episode who I am a fan of his writing. Uh, don't always agree with him, um, but I do like the way he articulates. It was a good episode. Uh, very much enjoyed listening to it. And then for their Patreon, they are covering the Santa Claus trilogy. Uh, they're doing commentaries on the trilogy uh, and they just did episode one. I don't know your take on the Tim Allen Santa Claus, oh, but it's one of my one. favorite. Yeah, me too. I don't like the trilogy. Very no. excited to hear them <laughs> talk about the trilogy, but I love the first movie. It's yeah, one of my right? favorites. And I think Tim Allen is so impressive in that movie because when he becomes Santa, I 100% believe he's Santa. Yeah. Like it's such a shift in character and performance um, that he's not usually that way. Uh, he's usually just doing his shtick, but he nails the transition. Um, but then I got it, man, Matt, I have avoided the true crime podcast uh, phenomenon that so many people Same have man. latched onto. But um, my friend, who's probably listening to this, uh, really wants me to watch um, the only murders, murders in the building, which is the Steve Martin, Selena Gomez, and Martin Short picture, show. Yeah. Um, I I'm planning on watching it, but she she said you need to listen to Serial, the NPR podcast, season one. And I listened to the first episode on Monday. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. I listened to the first episode yesterday, yesterday, Tuesday. No, man, my brain is off. It was Monday. This has been a long week, everybody. <laughs> um, I, I listened to the first episode Monday morning. I have now listened to all twelve episodes. Damn in 24 hours because I could not stop listening to it. I was like laying in bed, listening to it. Um, season one is 12 episodes. It's all about, uh, the Anand Saeed murder. Uh, he's, I'm sorry. He is the accused murder of, um, uh, Haley. And my God, dude, it's, it's so frustrating with this type of thing because I'm like, my brain likes mystery and like sussing out all these details, but I know they never, they never, you never get the answers. No, it's like the Zodiac film. Such a brilliant yeah, film, but you don't get the answer. A hundred percent, exactly. Because I did, before Fincher's Zodiac came out, I knew the movie was coming out. <laughs> I bought the book that the character Jake Gyllenhaal's playing wrote, like the actual guy wrote. Like I yes. bought that book and read that book before seeing Zodiac. And that was before true crime podcasts were a thing. And that was my first taste of true crime, but I didn't know it was called true crime. I just was like very, I found it very compelling, but also unbelievably frustrating and that's how i currently feel because i still don't know what happens you know this if he really if he's is is he a murderer or not and i'm just so frustrated and then um the podcast <laughs> i didn't realize it started that season's from 2014 to like into 2015 since then he was granted a they were going to do a whole new trial uh they've had him waiting for two years and then they canceled it they turned they they overturned the idea to have a new trial and then it went to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court denied it, like, last uh, – in 2019. And I'm just like, oh, oh, that's so devastating because I'm so – I so am just – this guy's life. He's been in jail since 2000. It's and, got you and you're hooked. Yeah, yeah, dude. It's so bad. I hope <laughs> I don't keep listening to other – because that, that season's over. Um, but it's, <laughs> it's a really well-put-together show, and I don't want to get into this where I'm like – I just feel like it could be scary, like – for me like i could get really into these so um i don't know if i'll listen to more but darn you my friend who convinced me to listen to this because oh man 12 episodes in one in one day is a lot it, they're not all hour long but most of them are uh so yeah i don't even know where my i did have to drive quite a bit yesterday so that helped um you know i i it was my driving 
uh, audio and whatnot. But anywho, I've watched the movies. Um, I bought, uh, I recently found out that the Guillermo del Toro film that's coming out, Nightmare Alley, uh, there was a 40, 1947 version of the story. Um, it's mm-hmm. based on a novel that was adapted. I uh, really like that. I bought it on Criterion. It's a really cool Criterion. Um, there's a set of tarot cards, tar- tarot cards in the movie. Um, and y- the uh, box that comes with like the main cards from the movie. So I thought that was really cool. It's not a whole deck. It's just like the ones that are part of the plot. That's cool. Um, I thought it was really cool. Cause I haven't seen Criterion do much with that kind of stuff. So I thought that was a cool little feature. Um, but I really liked that movie a whole lot. Uh, I watched King Richard on mm-hmm. HBO max. Um, I think Will Smith is terrific in it. Yep. Um, I found the story really, really compelling. I, I always tend to like sports biopics, but I feel like their story is extra compelling because of how young and the, uh, the inherent racism of that sport in particular in tennis, much like mm-hmm. Tiger Woods with golf. Um, it is a white dominated sport. Classism, and yeah. classism at a full tilt, right? Uh, both expensive sports, mind you too, golf and tennis, not cheap to get into. Um, I was actually surprised at how expensive tennis. Oh, could tennis be, but... is very, very, very expensive. Again, it's the classism, it's the elitism. Yeah, it's, it's the prestige, the apparent prestige of it. And, uh, but I also I, I don't remember her name, but I really like the actress who plays. I uh, I think Venus is the older sister. Um, uh, Venus is the is the older sister. Yes, and, so, and I just felt like no offense to the girl who played Serena. I just felt like it, this is more Venus's story yeah, overall. Sydney, uh, Sydney was Venus Williams. Yeah. Um. And she, I thought she was really, really good in this movie. Totally bought her uh, in the role. Um, and I think necessary to uh, the the wife, um, Anjane Ellis, I think mm-hmm. is, uh, she was also terrific. A little underserved, but built around the plot. Um, yeah. Aha. Um, <laughs> and I always got to give it up. I, I'm a John Bernthal fan. I thought yeah, he was man. great in this. I just thought he was so good. Um, then, uh, do you want to talk about it now or you want to wait until um, we get Yeah, I, I'm on the same boat as you. I thought this film was really good. I did kind of, I was slightly worried when I saw it was two and a half hours long. I thought, how, damn, yeah. that is a long stretch. But I think it was, um, they, they served it up well. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I think I, I did like this. Will Smith is, is really good. I think he will get some Oscar love, whether he wins or not. We've still got a few more performances to see, but this is one of his, if not his best performance but he can do this. He's shown before that he can like seven pounds and stuff like that, uh, that he can do this kind of stuff and excel at it. Uh, yeah, I think the two young actresses, Demi Singleton, Sunia Sidney were great as the Williams sisters. And for me, the most interesting part was, yes, I've, I've grown up with the Williams sisters uh, and obviously when they just took over the game, but it's, it was great to see where it all started. Like R- Richard, it's you know, their father, Richard King, Richard, he's just, drive and sort of he he knew what he wanted or uh, what would be best for his daughters and the, his drive and his influence and his inspiration and his kind of commitment to his daughters and and the success just seeing that was great because you know sometimes you don't yeah. see the behind the behind the curtain you just think oh they were just they must have just been really good and that you know they just have talent but when you see the story like you say with the inherent racism which is woven in sadly um it, it becomes a kind of a triumph story and we all know how well the william sisters did when they got onto the world stage so this is actually i thought this was a really really good um biopic and it's yeah it's not about the william it is of course about the williams sisters but it, it's great to have a biopic be more about you know somebody who is 
could be seen as on the side because you think of the Williams is a success, but the fact that you know this this isn't about this is about the person behind it. So I thought that was an interesting choice for a biopic, and it uh, it, it worked. I really thought this was a very decent film. Yeah, so de- definitely super watchable, um, and probably going to get Will uh, a nomination for yeah. best actor. Um, f- so for Movie Club, uh, we watched The Uninvited from uh, the. I think it's the forties. Um, also on Criterion and a, the last of the Martin Scorsese top 11, uh, Ooh, yeah. Horror films. Um, I liked it. Uh, I haven't got to talk to Corey about it yet, but that, that'll be, uh, we're recording tomorrow, actually, uh, Wednesday nice. instead of our normal Friday because of the holiday, um, here in the States. Uh, it's Thanksgiving for us, Matt. Um, uh, so yeah, for you, you know, for you guys, it is to so enjoy your Turkey day. So, um, I like it. It's, it's, not my favorite from the Scorsese list, uh, but it's definitely uh, very, the, the cinematography is really cool and there's some good stuff in it for sure. Um, caught a uh, swan song, which is the Udo Kier uh, movie that is just so good. It's so compelling. Um, a really cool story. I knew nothing about and um, just, man, some of the stuff in this movie is just so great. He's, he is at the top of his game in this. Um, yeah, it's a very cool film. It is available on VOD, uh, you know, rent and buy. It's not streaming mm-hmm. anywhere, um, for, w- included with the streaming subscription. Um, but the next movie is, uh, I caught this French film. I didn't realize who the director was till after I already said I liked it. Um, so it's on Hulu in the States. If you have Hulu, folks, uh, it's called Mandibles. It's direct- directed by Quentin Dupois, Dupois, I think is how you say it. Yes, that's right. Um, who directed Rubber? I, I hate rubber, man. Um, I don't know if you saw rubber, but uh, I, I, man- I managed to avoid rubber. I watched the first, I watched all of it, but the first 50 minutes I was like, Oh, this is really interesting. And then it really did feel like he was just torturing me for watching it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen anything else of his. Uh, wait, I think I might've seen one more thing of his. Um, no, this is it. Um, I really liked mandibles though. Uh, Mandibles has the like Dumb and Dumber or uh, Wayne's World kind of dumb buddy comedy, even Bill and Ted's vibe to it. You have two male protagonists that are like it's it's a dumb buddy kind of thing. There is like a crime element to it that gives it a Big Lebowski vibe as well. Plus, one dude's definitely got dude vibes. Like he's totally <laughs> too chill and unaware of what's going on. Nice. Um, it's it's just a really weird, quirky movie. It's funny. Uh, it's only 72 minutes, uh, 77 minutes. Um, so it's a sh- we like really that. short, easy watch um, with a weird conceit. Uh, I, I'm going to look and see if it's in the synopsis. Um, yeah, it is. Two simple-minded friends discover a giant fly in the trunk of a car and decide to domesticate it to earn money with it. That's your premise, <laughs> folks. Um, Work with that. It's really interesting. The fly is a major part of the story. It actually looks really cool, um, but it is, it's like dog size, like very large <laughs> fly. Um, this it sounds mental, but uh, it is. I mean, it's, it's worth checking out. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was quite good. Um, I got to go see Belfast. Um, Ooh, here we go. And uh, I, I'm up and down on Kenneth Branagh as a director. Mm-hmm. Um, I've liked some of his things. I've disliked other things. And, some things I'm just shocked that he directed, uh, like he directed Jack Ryan's shadow recruit. Like I don't get his filmography. <laughs> um, it's, it's very, varied, if nothing. Yeah. But, um, 
I like this film a lot. Like I really, really oh, was just super impressed with it. Um, the kid Jude Hill is real charming. Um, and Judy Dench is, and Siri Hines. I actually really like Siri Hines a whole lot. Uh, Jamie Dornan. I, I just cl- clicked who he was. I kept like, I'm like, why can't I place who this it's is? 50 shades, and, dude. Yeah. Uh, which is nuts. Cause he's actually like, I liked him in this. Um, he's the new Robert Pattinson, I, I think where he's shown that he can act in TV and in film, but he, for, for now, as I've just said, wrong, wrongly, he's 50 shades guy for his Pattinson is finally getting rid of the twilight guy. So come on, Jamie, we're rooting for you. But, um, there's some really cool visual stuff in this movie. Um, they, there's a lot of clear love of like cinema and storytelling that I think is great. Um, I don't know if it all congeals to like this real like sensible message or theme, but the stuff that's in it's really cool. I, I actually really liked a lot of the cinematography. Again, I think it's more stylistic and aesthetic pleasing than it is thematic. Um, or at least maybe the execution isn't always there with the thematic stuff, but it's, it's a gorgeous movie. And I was, I'm not always like awed by compositions of frames. Uh, this one was grabbing me. Like, I'm just like, wow, look how he placed the characters in this. And uh, it actually, I don't want to be like too bold, but it feels like he was trying to recreate some of the, the look of citizen Kane with the, the arrangements Damn. of the frames, um, a lot of deep focus and like even using frames within the frame. I was reminded of like the opening scene it's not the opening scene but the scene is in came where we see him as a child playing and it's revealed through the window like there's stuff like that in, mm-hmm. in the, the composition that i think he was going for like i don't i'm not saying he was like as brilliant as orson wells but i think he was trying to recreate that feel well, this has been called um, a passion project isn't it like this is branner's magnum opus almost so uh and it's being mm-hmm. hailed as a best picture winner so I, don't know. I, I liked it a lot. I had a really good time watching it. Um, just, uh, it's actually, it's under two hours, which if you see the trailer, like you're not, I was expecting it to be like a long drawn <laughs> kind of, uh, drama. And I also think it's a lot more lighthearted than I was expecting. Like there's some very serious drama in it, but it's not, uh, it, it's not like a heavy beat you over the head, feel bad kind of thing. If anything, there's a lot of love in the movie. And I, I think a lot of the, what the, the, stories really focused on is these like generations of love um and i i, I vibed with that man it was just a, i was really into it i i thought it was great i'm I glad was, i got to see it i was worried that it might be because it was called like a personal project a love letter to youth and whatever whatever it was his 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 upbringing or his life i think mm-hmm. how is this going to be a kind of we're, we're looking we're looking from the outside in but we can never connect so that's really cool to hear that actually there's more to it yeah, it, it definitely clicked for me. Um, so I, if you get a chance, uh, listeners and Matt, I recommend seeing oh, it's Belfast. on my list. I, I think it comes out in January over here, which is really odd. Yeah, that is, uh, you know, it'll be a next year movie for you, I guess. Huh? It will be. It'll be on my 2022 list, my friend. And last, uh, just before recording, uh, about an hour ago, um, I watched the beta test. Um, yes. Uh, the Jim Cummings uh, co starring and directed vehicle yet again. Um, Jim Cummings continues to make me a fan. Um, I re- like he's got like I started noticing this before, but it it really came off in the beta test. There's at least two scenes in this movie where he's doing like full Jim Carrey. Like, yes. Um, he I know was, he's just Jim a bit Cummings. more restrained than Jim, but yes, yes, there is like this edge. It's almost like what if Jim Carrey, but an indie actor? Like you know, yeah. what I'm saying like there's that that indie sensibility comes off with him. Um, 
but there's there's some of the energy has definitely got Jim Carrey vibes, and um, I, I like the movie. I thought it was, I, I'm not sure if I totally got the message, um, or if maybe the message was just as obvious as it it lays out to be at points. But I definitely enjoyed watching it. It was it was a thrilling kind of suspense. There were some shocking and horrific moments um, mm-hmm. in it, and uh, I, I guess I don't want to get into spoilers or anything. But um, this is available to uh, to rent or buy on VOD already. Um, it's it's not cheap because it's still in the, like the theater run. It's still in its indie art house kind of theater situation. Um, so it's still in like the higher end of buying or renting. But. Yep. Um, if you've seen any of Jim Cummings' other stuff, uh, the Wolf, Wolf Creek, Wolf Snow Hollow, that's it. Really like that movie a <laughs> Definitely lot. Definitely not Wolf Creek. Yeah, sorry, different movie. Um, and then uh, Thunder Road, um, Thunder Road, which I really like. Thunder yeah. Road. Um, and they all of his movies have the weird kind of tone where they're like suspenseful, but they're they're still they're, there's a lot of laughs in built into the movies and uh, intentionally, like you're not laughing at the movie, like the movies got humor in them despite their often very troubling subject matter um he's an interesting uh writer director man like i i like what he's doing i i hope he keeps uh getting to make movies like this i i think doing things like halloween kills will help enable him to get more opportunities yeah. um to do stuff like this and i hope he keeps doing it i definitely a jim cummings fan um and uh, before listeners, if you just look up Jim Cummings, there's going to be two. <laughs> it's not the old voice actor. It's uh, the younger looking guy. Um, but yeah, uh, I, if you haven't seen beta test, I say, check it out. Yep. I'll check it. It's a big old slathering of satire, but it's a hell of a lot of fun. And I actually, I say we did actually meet him at comic con this year. MCM, the old Jim Cummings. I went to a panel uh, mm. with Jim Cummings because he obviously does a, a few of the star Wars voices and got to speak to him for a couple of minutes afterwards. It wasn't on record, but uh, just to have a quick chat. And that was fun. He's a, he's got very much a Mark Hamill vibe to him, but this Jim Cummings is great. Um, can't wait to see what he does next. And the beta test is superb. I thought it was really, really good. So uh, it played in the theaters in the UK. So, uh, and it came out before the States, which is strange given Jim Cummings seems to be an all American kind of dude. So, um, for me, uh, it wasn't as much this week again. I've listened to the Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong podcast, Tomatoes, uh, at work, where they discuss Point Blank, the Keanu Reeves film of the 90s, and uh, whether or not that is a stone-cold classic, cult classic, or really isn't very good. And uh, that was fun to listen to. For my two cents, I think Point Blank is is dark I think fun. You, do you mean Point Break? Point Break. Yes, not Gross Point Blank. Okay. Point Break. I was very confused. Yeah. Like, I don't think Gross I've ever point seen blank Point Blank. Point Blank is great. But yes, point it is. Break is... Yeah, the Keanu Reeves Point Break. Thank you, John. This is why John's on the show, to pick me up when I fall down. He is the Alfred to my Bruce Wayne. Uh, yeah. Point Break. Yeah, so that one, I I think it's daft. It's fun. It's got some cool lines in it. It's Keanu. Um, but Gross Point Blank, yeah, that's a great film. Um, I also listen to the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast that uh josh horowitz puts on every week and this week it was jason reitman uh who we've spoken about this week and he sat down for 40 minutes spoke about the making of ghostbusters afterlife the legacy of his father the legacy of the movie why some things were in it why some things aren't in it and what's the what does the future hold for the franchise so that was uh, a good list and always is and in terms of films king richard as, as we've just mentioned went to see that uh, enjoyed that Tick, Tick, Boom, the Lin-Manuel Miranda's de- uh, directorial debut in terms of film, anyway, uh, on Netflix with Andrew Garfield. 
damn was this a good film really liked tick tick boom an awful lot uh it tells a story of jonathan larson who was the the genius behind rent but um as the as we as we all know well as jonathan larson's story goes it was very much laced with strategy uh and andrew garfield puts on one hell of a performance if andrew garfield isn't in the academy award listings come next year something's gone wrong he's fantastic the dude can he can he sing my friend um, and no wonder he doesn't want to talk about Spider-Man No Way Home. Don't worry about that. When he's as good as he is in this film, I'm not surprised he's more interested in talking about this. But uh, yeah, Tick Tick Boom's very good. Uh, some good songs in it. Some for some songs were, weren't great. Uh, my only one of my main criticisms, and it's not a criticism, but I spoke to my buddy about this. He loved the songs, uh, and he said they were quite memorable. I can't remember any of them. Doesn't mean they weren't good though. Like some of them are very good, but I can't remember the songs in there. Uh, I think some of the choreography in the dance scenes is a bit flat as well it feels very much like a stage show and that's a good thing because Lin-Manuel Miranda's playing to his strengths there but I feel like some of the choreography in the dance numbers could have been could have stood out a bit more it felt a bit flat but it was a great uh, duet with the two female leads in this film as well which is really cleverly done as well which I thought was great Tick Tick Boom was a very very good film uh, I'm not going to attribute it to Netflix because it was on Netflix, but really good. John, I think you would really, really, really like Tick, Tick, Boom. In fact, I know you will. I'm going to put it out there now. You will love it. I wanted to watch it last night, but I ended up seeing Belfast, and then I was going to watch it today, and then I got it. My morning got away from me, so the 97-minute beta test made more sense. I'm hoping to watch it tonight, I think. Well, no, I've said that John's going to love it. I, I really hope he does. If not, then... Well, that's just going to be fine as well. The show will continue next week, but I, I do think you'll like this because I know how much you're a fan of Lin Manuel um, and Andrew Garfield, and this is just a it's just a very good film. So, um, and I've also gone back and rewatched the two of the three before films: the Richard Linklater, Julie Delpy, Ethan Hawke films. The only reason I haven't watched the third one is I'm going to watch it tonight. So I watched before mm. Sunrise and before Sunset uh, over the last two days, and I'm going to watch before midnight tonight and it, this is a trilogy which i think we've mentioned once or twice on the um on the poc- the episode the podcast sorry is and i know i've mentioned it it's one of the best trilogies of all time even even if it's one of the most unsung it's not uh commercially successful in in the way that the original star wars trilogy is lord of the rings is or back to the future if you want to throw that in or whatever but in term, and John mentioned earlier on about like, like this is cinema, but essentially it's cinematic. You know what makes the qualities of film, and these films have that. They, they're not going to work for everyone because a lot of it is eleven-minute one-take shots of just people, two people talking, two people who meet. They're just talking, but it feels so natural. That goddamn, if especially, I mean, if, I, I really, I, I love, it. I can't separate the films. Before sunrise, obviously that's the, the first meeting, and it feels so goddamn authentic. Uh, you, you, you're laughing along with them. Sometimes you're cringing with them, and you're, you're willing. But you know it's great. And by the end, you just want you want this to happen. And before sunset, it's got one of the greatest endings in cinema for me. I generally think it has. It's I've forgotten just how powerful that ending is, or how ambiguous the ending is. I think it's fantastic. Uh, so I'm looking forward to revisiting before midnight tonight and for those who don't know yeah there's richard linklater directed it the first film came out in 95 i think 95 think. the second film came out in 2004 i want to say and the third film was about 2013 14 so there's nine years in between each film so this is a trilogy that spanned 27 years with the same 
two leads in it, which is a, f- a wonderful experiment, a great, great idea. And the fact that the two leads are so damn good. Honestly, I could eulogize about these films forever. It may even be my favorite trilogy of all time, just simply because it's pure wow. art. It's just great it just to sit down and watch. I, I watched them. I'm, I'm just sucked in every time. I know what happens, but it just feels real. Whereas, uh, and then you've got Lord of the Rings, which to me may be the best trilogy of all time, but that's both bombastic scope, scale, the music. That's, that's a different form of cinema to me. Um, whereas something like bef- the before trilogy, that's, that feels like cinema. It feels like an art, a piece of art to me. So I uh, can't wait to watch before midnight tonight and, I'm going to watch it before midnight as well <gasps> and just enjoy that. And then just what, and then just bathe in the sunlight of these films. So, uh, do you feel, I've, I've just said you like these films. You, you did like the before trilogy, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Corey and I covered it on, um, BAMP. I, I think maybe last year, um, on BAMP, not BAMP, not BAMP, uh, tired movie club. Uh, <laughs> and sorry, I'm on BAMP right now. That's Thank what you, I'm sir. doing. Do go movie. check out movie uh, club guys. But, uh, yeah, that was, um, we were, we already owned the movies, but not on Criterion. And I think we finished the second movie and we both ordered the Criterion box set. Um, it was, it was, it was last November cause we bought them on the Criterion sale and, uh, we had owned the, the trilogy and we we're like, let's finally check this off our list. And after two movies, we were both so in love with the trilogy. We ordered the box set See again, already owned the movies, but we wanted the, the Criterion, uh, boxes and yeah, so uh, excellent films, definitely highly, highly recommend. They're very they're special films, but again, they won't be for everybody. If you don't, if you don't like films that involve a lot of people, two people just talking about life, then maybe that's not for you. But goddamn, even if, if you don't think it's for you, please do check them out. Do yourself a favor. Um, now, those films are bloody awesome, and I've, I think this show's been bloody awesome. However, it comes at a cost. Every week, we have to maintain our levels of bloody awesomeness, and we have to put ourselves through the ringer each week to make sure that when recording comes, we are ready. We are bloody awesome. John, how have you been staying bloody awesome this week? Um, getting all of the stuff together for my daughter's car. Um, yes. And, being a dad. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it, it did require a journey. Um, I had to take uh, a friend to pick up a Tesla, which Matt, I had, I've been avoiding getting near a Tesla because <laughs> I knew I would want one. Um, and I can't feasibly ever have one, uh, at the current price points. Um, but I've learned a lot about them. Uh, one, it's so cool. Like the inside, just touching the, I got to touch the computer screen and I was like, Oh, now I want one of these so bad. Um, but the process of getting one is wild. Like, I don't know if you've dealt with this at all, but my friend had been waiting for like two months. Like he's been on a list to get one. Mm -hmm. Like you can't go to a dealership and get a Tesla. Apparently like you have to like wait. So I don't know what, like I have so many questions about Tesla's like one, what happened? Like, cause a lot of people lease the Tesla. Yep. What happens at the end of the lease? Because I've not seen used Teslas up anywhere. That's a good point. Uh, two, do, how long do they last? Like, do they are they going to last ten years? They're going to only last like three or four years. Um, they are they're very cool cars, but like, also, why is it so slow to make them that people who have you know are willing to give you their money have to wait two months to get a car? Like, what's going on? No, I don't understand. I'm here with you, my friend. I'm with you there, sir. It's, it's baffling, but I learned all of this, uh, because my friend, um, who, who got one, uh, was, had a car 
um, in good shape. Uh, it's a little old, 2002, but 140,000 miles, which is really good for an almost 20 year old car. Um, so, you know, I had to, I had to, t- I took him because he was leaving the car with me. I had to go through all the bureaucratic nonsense today and get the paperwork done. But, you know, being able to let my daughter have that freedom, uh, again, one of my wife totally more, more like she did all of the, a lot of the heavy purchasing. I just did all of the grunt, grunt work cause I'm off of work right now because of Thanksgiving break. Mm-hmm. So I, but like I had to go to the DMV, which if, uh, is, I don't know if it's bad in the UK, but it's dreaded here. Like it is not a process anybody longs for. I don't think it's liked anywhere to be fr- uh, frank. My friend. I, I assume not. I assume not, but I, you know, you never know some, like I got to wonder if all countries are as bureaucratic as ours when it comes to this kind of stuff, because they paperwork. So like, I don't know. I've never bought a car from a private person before. Mm-hmm. Like I've yeah. always bought it from a dealership. So the dealership does all of this stuff. So I go up there having read way too many articles about it, hoping I'm doing it correct. Um, I have the title for the car signed by the person who I'm buying it from. Um, I know I'm gonna have to pay taxes. So I'm a little, I'm like, I don't know how much it's actually going to be. This is going to be more money than I wanted. I walk up. She's like, do you have the title? I'm like, bam. She's like, do you have your license? I'm like, bam. She's like, do you have proof of insurance? I'm like, well, I can. And she's like, go, you know, go get that taken care of and come back. Like, come back up here. Like, not like you got to leave, but like, come back. I'm yeah, like yeah. stressing. So I, I went at, right when they opened, I was there at like 835 this morning. And I'm like, okay, no one's here. So like I sit down and I get like you know, I'm processing through Geico and trying to get my insurance set up for it. Got it set up. Boom. Back to the counters. No wait time. I'm like in shock. I cannot believe <laughs> I'm not having to wait. And she's like, she boom, boom, boom. Here's the number. I'm, I'm, I'm in the back in like five minutes. And I, I'm a little worried because the person who's doing all of the actual processing stuff is training. There's a person sitting behind her and they're training. And I'm like, oh boy, this is. I, I'm already stressed out because I don't know if I've done everything right now. She's learning how to do the stuff too. <laughs> so I was a little on edge. It worked out fine. Um, woman did a great job too. If the person who happens to be training to, to do this job is listening to this podcast, great job. You did an excellent job, but I go to leave and I see the, what the most rewarding thing ever. There is a gigantic line of people waiting to get into the DMV <laughs> that I have somehow managed to avoid perfectly. Yes. Like I just got in before the crowd broke through and I'm like, oh man, I'm, I, I nailed this. Like I could not have timed this better. Even again, the opportunity for me to fail when I had to go sit down and do the insurance where that line could have built up and I would have had to wait for it somehow managed to get all of that done before that happened. I was like, this is a, this is a win. I got my kid in car huge ready. win. Um, and I avoided waiting at the DMV because I was like prepared to give up my whole day. I thought I was going to be at the DMV like all day and it took like 20 minutes. And I'm like, oh, this is the best. Like I have, I still have stuff to do. Like you got the car um, sorted. You didn't have to deal with too many people in public. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was, so that, that's how I say bloody awesome was taking care of all of that, all of that combined, being a good friend, you know, driving my friend to get his awesome new car, um, buying a car from my friend for a fair price, uh, both on both sides. I think we both did. I think I don't think either party lost. I think we both got what we were looking for. Nice. Um, and you know, dealing with the government in a very peaceful and friendly manner and everything working out. Cause again, I was so stressed. I had screwed something up and I was going to have to like leave with nothing <laughs> and having no issues and it all being fine. I have the new title. Like everything's like, boom, we're it's, it's square. I'm good. And, uh, it's a good, it's a good feeling when you get the thing you're trying to do accomplish in a very timely manner. So, excited that's how i say bloody awesome what about you matt what are you doing to say bloody awesome Ooh, the only thing that could have made that day more bloody awesome was swinging by dunkin and getting a six-pack of donuts oh. um 
Well, I always say on this show, we should all be like Burke, and the way JB f- um, flexed the government and the DMV just pays credence to my words. And this week, I have been like Burke, and I think I even sent you that in a message. Being, I'm being like Burke. I'm going back to the gym. I've been back to the gym. I'm uh, cutting out all the bad stuff of my life in terms of food anyway, and uh, drink. I know it's Christmas coming up. In the United Kingdom thankfully and unfortunately depending on which way you look at it in terms of your diet we don't have we don't celebrate thanksgiving i wish we did because god damn sweet potato marshmallow oh, but um anyway we don't have thanksgiving over here so i'm taking the next five weeks to basically just get in just lose a few pounds before christmas when i'm unv- invariably you know everybody kind of like say guard down a little bit um but do you know when you just look look you weigh things up and you th- not <laughs> pun again you weigh things up and you think right got to make a change man and i did i looked at myself and thought i need to be like but i need to look like burke for one um so yeah decided to go back to the gym i'm paying for the damn thing each month so i should really go but um cut out all the all the all the food as well i'm now eating at the minute by soup mirror replacement shakes and these really nice dried fruit it's really nice uh like dried strawberries dried mangoes uh, enjoying that an awful lot so um cutting that out in the hope to lose so, you know, a few pounds before Christmas. I th- certainly think I can do. Go to the gym two or three times a week, sweat it all out. And yes, you feel a bit achy the next day. But as you know, JB, you, you don't half feel good when you finish. Then you come home and you have a shower and you sit down and suddenly you're like, oh, my, 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 my airwaves feel like, oh, they feel emptier because I, they feel clearer. Sorry, um, because I've just been mm-hmm. breathing heavily. Your body, my, your pores, your body's skin feels kind of, you just feel good about yourself. And like they say, uh, exercise can release whatever it is that makes you feel good and other than busting. And it did. I went to the gym. I came back. I thought, you know what? I've accomplished something. I feel good. The road begins now and I don't feel knackered. So, uh, in my effort to be like Jonathan book, I'm <laughs> going for it, my man. Well, uh, good off to you, man. I, I, I do enjoy, uh, going to the gym myself. Um, today was a run day though, so I didn't have to gym it up. I ran instead, <laughs> but, uh, I will be going to the gym tomorrow. So, as will I. In fact, Wednesday gym day. So, uh, for those of you who want to imagine what the BAMP guys do in their real life, Wednesday we call it gym day by the sounds of it. So, we'll both be pumping yep. iron tomorrow and sweating profusely uh, at the gym. So, uh, yeah, uh, gym for me, JB being a, a wonderful father and businessman as usual. So, uh, that's this episode done then for Ghostbusters Afterlife. Remember, the spoiler minisode will drop in a few days on Monday. Check that out. Next week, though, we've already mentioned this guy once, old man yells at clouds, Ridley Scott. We are going to be dropping spoiler and non spoiler reviews of House of Gucci in an all star cast. Looking forward to that. Yes, it's getting some buzz, pos and neg, but I'm looking forward to it, my friend. Uh, if you want to tell us what you thought about Ghostbusters Afterlife or just chat to us about film, you can find us online. You can find a podcast on Twitter at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. John, where are we on Instagram? We're at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. Uh, on Facebook or Meta or whatever it's called, we are. Just search Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. You're going to find us there. If you want to find me online, you can do what I watch tonight.co.uk. Uh, all the socials and letterbox search what i watched tonight you'll find me there john where are you i am at burkreviews.com and at burkreviews on all the social media 
Yep. Uh, and if you like what you've heard, please do tell your movie-loving friends about the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. And if you have a spare minute, please consider leaving five stars on a review for us on your podcast provider of choice because it helps the show grow, helps get more listeners in. Plus, again, an extra chance to converse with more film fans, which is what we're all about, really. However, with that, as always, I'm going to tell you to stay bloody awesome and keep watching movies. Blood, 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 bloody another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.